views expressed on this program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and are not necessarily those of this station, its management, or other advertisers. You're listening to Transformation Talk Radio. Welcome to Lime Talk Radio with Dr. Pat Basili, epic healing for an epic life. This inspiring show highlights leading-edge solutions, groundbreaking research, headline topics, and tools for holistic healing and wellness. This hit show is dedicated to raising awareness, promoting advocacy and prevention, and supporting initiatives for optimal health. Dr. Pat is passionate and focused on life-saving results reaching far beyond Lyme disease, providing a forum for powerful stories, heart-opening experiences, and hope-activated solutions. Dr. Pat will shine a light on the many shades of Lyme disease fueled by a body-mind-spirit remedy. Now here's your host, Dr. Pat. Hey, everybody, welcome. I want to welcome you to Lime Talk Radio. Thank you. And also those of you that have been looking at our website, Lime Global, I'm just so excited to be talking with all of you. I'm Dr. Pat Basile. I am also the host of the Dr. Pat Show and also the founder of Transformation Talk Radio. And for those of you that have been asking us, yeah, really soon, get ready for it. TransformationRadio.fm, 10 dedicated channels uh, for all about living life full out. One of them is our health and wellness channel. We're excited about that. Um, but today's show is, let's just call it, it's more than radio. It's an experience. And here's what I want to say. I want to thank all of you for emailing us here at the show, for continuing to do this and supporting getting the word and the level of awareness out about Lyme disease. You know, whether you're living in a state, as many of you are, that cannot find a way to bring the conversation to the table, it's because of people like Dr. Daniel Cameron, who is joining me here today, that we will not go silently into the night. It just will not happen that way. And he is here We're going to hear about his story, his journey, and why more now than ever, even though you see that things are being researched, even though you see how things may be changing, why now more than ever, it is just not enough. Today, I'm thrilled to be talking with him because he is someone that has said, I am not going to be silent about this. Whether you're familiar with him in looking at uh, Lyme disease through the International Lyme and Associated Disease Society, whether you're looking at the pioneering that he has done in the field of Lyme disease, whether you know about his publications, his authorship, his residency, here's the thing today's show is about evidence-based Lyme practice. Why? Because sometimes the stories may not just be enough. And I'm so thrilled. Dr. Cameron, it's so great to have you here. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's nice to be here, Dr. Pat. I want to start with a question. I've been doing this for over 13 years. You know, we started one of the first shows on holistic and positive living 13 years ago. And basically the media said to us, you know, we give you all a nine minutes, let alone any years. But the world is changing And you have helped change it. Here's my question for you to kick this off. What would you say this disease has done to change your life's journey? What is it about Lyme disease that has called you to step forward in your passion and purpose in life? 
Well, when I was um, in geriatrics, you know, learning um, how to take care of a lot of the complicated people that I grew up with, uh, you know, that I admired when I was growing up, uh, I thought that would be my field. But uh, after 10 years of working in that area, I ran into so many Lyme patients that had the same challenges, same troubles getting better. And it just seemed like um, everything I learned from that geriatrics, from my uh, people that I grew up with, um, I could do a lot for. And I just thought that it was a gift uh, to be able to uh, do what I could for Lyme disease patients. Yeah, and and I know we're going to talk about a lot of things here today. Um, but one of the things is, I, I, you and I were chatting before the break, and, and I guess I, I'm still shocked about it. I'm still shocked about it, Dr. Cameron. But, you know, um, I live in a state. I don't live in Connecticut, right? Um, I, I don't live on the East Coast anymore, but I grew up there. I grew up there. And I grew up in a part of New Jersey where, yeah, I mean, ticks had become a way of life. I live in a place right now where it is difficult to get the health and services people to even acknowledge that Lyme disease is possible in the state of Washington. So here's my question to you. You know, 40 years since this evolved, can you give us a snapshot or paint a picture of where we were then, what's changed, and where we are now? Well, I grew up in Minnesota and yeah. not having heard about Lyme disease. And I hadn't realized uh, as I was going through medical school that they discovered Lyme in the Northeast. I didn't realize that uh, they had already identified plenty of Lyme cases in Minnesota and Wisconsin, where I spent my um, younger years. Uh, and, you know, even though um, that's where all the resources are, birds have been moving, ticks south, they've been moving um, millions, hundreds of millions of ticks to Canada every spring. And there's so much movement of ticks. There's ticks in California, plenty of ticks that are moving north and south on the backs of birds. And so it's uh, whenever they have a map and they say that, oh, there's no ticks there, it only means they just haven't looked uh, <laughs> a second time. They haven't uh, looked at people that are living there. They, and they're usually always behind the people who live there. They're behind the people and their families that have to go to school and feeling well. And so it's one of those often worst-kept secrets. Yeah. You know, that, and one of those things where things have changed a lot since they wrote the map and drew, and drew the original maps. Yeah. Yeah, and we're not just talking, and I, I want to be really clear about this, because I did mention before, Dr. Cameron, what I mentioned before was, you know, the word international. And this is, uh, I think this is another part of the, narr the, the, the new narrative that we're creating is that, you know, it used to be, and people still believe this. I know that you know this, right? People still believe that Lyme disease is pretty much in the Northeast. That's it. You know, New England specifically, let's say. And yet we now know that that is not true. So I want to ask you, what do you believe, um, how well are we doing with educating people, not about the details of Lyme disease, but just about its existence? Well, I think uh, there was a study that came out uh, a couple months ago that said that 
about half of the counties in the United, entire United States have Lyme disease. Yeah. Um, not so much in the um, mountainous areas, but they did say in that study is that they haven't looked. You know, they don't have the resources to look. They don't, don't have the resources to go out and drag for ticks. Um, so just because they didn't uh, find them means that they don't have the resources, they don't have the commitment to look for the ticks. Ohio, for example, didn't think they had ticks until they got a budget to look for ticks. And every county had ticks, every dog had, kit, had ticks. Minnesota, the, and I think it's just a matter of locally when they look a second time. And the, the other thing that happens is often they're not looking at the right time. Like mm -hmm. in uh, Mississippi where they have ticks, the ticks are looking for a meal in the winter. Yeah. It must be cooler there, and they don't have ticks in the summer, but all the people coming in, it's, it's, it's the wrong season. When you deal with where you are, I think... Uh, you know, it could be an all-year type yeah. problem because there isn't much snow where you live, and so it's yeah. a, it may be spread out. Yeah, the, it's not only are you spot on with that, but you know, I live in a place, and and funny you should say that. And for those of you tuning in, yes, you 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 can hear my East Coast uh, accent, but currently I live in Washington State. And one of the fascinating things about living here, you actually nailed it is I don't know that it reached freezing, but maybe once this winter. And so what happens is it doesn't really hit freezing. And so, you know, this is really a factor in the way we look at it. Um, I want to ask you this question, though. You've been doing this for quite some time. This has been something that you've been passionate, uh, uh, passionate about. You know, but I have to ask you, I mean, what is it about your journey as a doctor? What is it that pointed you in the direction to really say, I'm not just going to pay attention to this, but I'm literally going to dedicate, you know, a lifetime to it. What was it? Was there a tipping point for you, Dr. Cameron? Well, I'm an epidemiologist where I went to School of Public Health and learned uh, how to look at the literature, look at studies quite differently. So whenever I pick up a paper and look, I, I seem to come to a totally different conclusion than what everybody else was coming up with. And so the fact that it was clear that people could have neurologic issues, they could be chronically sick for years, that there were other infections in a tick was all very well known years ago. And now 29 years later, there's a lot more scientists that are discovering how complex uh, what's in a tick how complex a mouse is and how that mouse uh, transfers uh, all of the all of the different types of bacteria and parasites over to the tick and into you and so it's a the re research uh, very early on was already saying there was a problem yeah well you know we're going to take a short break when we come back we're going to talk about Lyme disease Dr uh, Dr Daniel Cameron joining me here today opening minds to move forward you know, today's show, it's so thrilled to have him here. We're going to talk about this evidence-based Lyme practice. What does that mean? A growing number of clinical presentations, they have been described. You know, there is, there's absolutely recognition now and, and treatment in what's being provided. But we're going to be talking about what these presentations might be, what are some of the testing, and what are we learning about treatment. Today, all of the above with my very special guest joining me here today, Dr. Daniel Cameron. And by the way, if you go to danielcameronmd.com, 
You're going to find out lots of information. We're going to take a short break, everyone. When we come back, we're going to give you the latest. What have we discovered with this nationally recognized leader's expertise in the diagnosis and treatment of Lyme disease? Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Hi everyone, this is Dr. Pat. The Ancient Inca Root Vegetable Maca is world-renowned for its wide array of health benefits. As a family-run company of true maca specialists, the maca team's mission is to provide you with fresh, organic, premium-quality maca powders at a fair price. Amazing. All of the products are always organically grown, fair-traded, GMO-free, fresh, and potent. So don't take my word for it. Experience the life-changing benefits of maca today. Visit themacateam.com. Francine Vale is a being of light. She believes that all people of planet Earth are as well. As co-host of the Angel Healer Radio Show, Francine teaches you heart-centered ways to manifest healing on your own behalf and how to integrate love more fully into your daily life. Connect with your angels as you find your life flowing with ease and harmony. Walk the path of light with Francine and Dr. Pat Basili every month on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Transformation Talk Radio is dedicated to the education and awareness of Lyme disease. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Lyme Talk Radio. I'm Dr. Pat, joined here by Dr. Nusheen Darvish. Dr. Pat Basili and Dr. Nusheen Darvish will be bringing the most innovative, groundbreaking information, research, treatment innovations, and stories from those it affects every day. I'm so excited to be talking about this. We have so much to share. Dr. Darvish and I are planning to do is connect the dots. People suffering with all sorts of chronic diseases, it's time. It is time for them to transform. Tune into Lyme Talk Radio and help keep our mission strong for the loyal listeners out there that have been listening to this incredible show on Lyme disease we are not going to let you down we're going to come through stronger and enrich the platform for Lyme disease awareness through Lyme Talk Radio the message will continue the conversations will become stronger and the healing epic get ready to rid yourself of all that is weighing you down and holding you back Coming Clean, The Art of Transparency with Katherine Moss is a hit show that brings a real and dynamic message to uncovering and believing in the true amazing being you already are. Tune in and let Katherine help you become truthful, authentic, and mindful of living on purpose one day at a time. Live each Tuesday, 9 a.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Hey everybody, this is Dr. Pat. Many of you have heard me talk about the Lyme disease epidemic going on right now in the world. I wanna tell you about my friends at Results RNA. They have now created an entire Lyme support system for immune system support, detoxification, rejuvenation, and neurological healing. Please visit ResultsRNA.com to learn more. And for first-time orders, you'll receive a special 10% discount. All you have to do is type in Dr. Pat at checkout. Hey, everybody, welcome back. Uh, It's great to have all of you tuning us in and turning us on. Um, Amazing. Uh, You know what? Here's the deal. 
I love having conversations that will save lives. Uh, you know, that's what I do. I'm Dr. Pat, and I get to talk with people like Dr. Daniel Cameron. But Dr. Daniel Cameron is actually out in the world saving lives. And that's what today's show is about. You know, um, thank you so much for joining me here today. I wanted to talk, first of all, let's talk about, you know, the video that you posted, because it's part of the new way we have to get information out there. I love what you were sharing with me about this. Why don't you, why don't we tell our listeners where they can find it? Uh, thank you. I, I've been writing uh, about a blog a week for the past year and a half on my Daniel Cameron MD dot com website uh, called All Things Lyme. But uh, the next uh, dream was to be able to do a video blog. So it was perfect uh, when this uh, article came out saying that long-term treatment isn't any better than short-term treatment. So I decided it's time I have to get the my Camtasia out and get the green screen and everything else together and uh, produce my first uh, video blog to to see what went wrong. How, how did they come to such a odd conclusion that long-term treatment doesn't work? It certainly works in my practice. It works for lots of doctors who treat. And, uh, and I was able to, like, lay it out, uh, and I was able to post it about an hour ago. Yeah. So this is uh, on my Facebook, uh, and so it's, uh, it should be uh, exciting to do something new, something creative that I can communicate yeah. better with uh, my patients and uh, those who have Lyme disease. But where, what is the basis, do you think, Dr. Cameron? Can we talk about this for a minute? And thank you so much for posting that. We'll make sure that we're sharing it as well. But, you know, you and I have probably, what, in a 25-year period, we, we probably heard a few things about Lyme disease. It, it, is there a basis? Is there a basis for this, this, this conversation that kind of says, yeah, yeah, you can't treat long-term? I mean, what, where is that coming from? And what have you discovered? Well, I think that the there are a few people who have um, concluded that they're very good with early Lyme. They they do a lot of research on rashes. Yep. And they're in academic settings, at least the first couple of years. So they focused and then did a good job on early. But when they found out there were chronic problems, it seemed like they uh, they they missed an opportunity to really um, take over uh, the care of somebody that's been sick. The first um, time they noticed that people were sick for 14 years under their nose, um, and when they published a paper in New England Journal of Medicine in 1990, it was like a shocker um, that people could be sick with that much fatigue, poor concentration, can't sleep, they're lightheaded, they have headaches, they have joint pains, their numbness, the tingling, sometimes stomach troubles, they can be sick for that long and, and the doctor not notice it. And so it's, um, it's just one of those things that um, you know, doctors, uh, once they realize it, that they have an opportunity to notice these things and treat somebody, they, they find it's very satisfying. Yeah. And so that's why we're always talking about what, what to do for someone who's been sick for weeks, months, and years and turn their life around. And, you know, that's really sort of the conversation we're having now, because, you know, if even if you have been sick for a number of years, the old conversation was there's really nothing you can do. But today we have more and more solutions 
we have more remedies that are coming in from all over the world. Before we get to that, I have a question that has just come into the show, Dr. Cameron, and I'd love to present it to you. And it is from New Jersey, from Linda. I heard Dr. Cameron talk about mice and Lyme. So if a dog likes to catch and sometimes kill a mouse, can the dog become sick with Lyme? And can the family member get Lyme if the dog licks them? Wow, this is a great question, isn't it? Oh, yes. Uh, well, the, the biggest problem is the dog itself because your kids go out with the dog, play with the dog. The dog comes in, jumps on the bed, jumps on the sofa, scratches away, and ticks fly everywhere. And um, the question that she had, which is even more unique, is if a dog eats a mouse, well, supposedly the saliva and the gut will kill the mouse and kill the spirochetes, kill the infection. We think that's the case. Yeah. So I, I doubt if uh, licking is that big an issue. It's the biggest issue is that ticks are are on the neck and on the face. The dog haven't bit the dog. They may not bite the dog because the dog's on on some kind of medicine anyway. Yep. But the tick uh, says, "Oh, that I don't want to touch that dog." How about um, looking if I get lucky with my um, with jumping off or flying off and t and biting somebody else like your kid? Yeah. And isn't that the, a huge misconception, what you just said? Because here's what I was told, oh, three days ago. Uh, you know what? I don't have to worry about my dog because they got this medicine that I give them where, you know, the ticks on there die. But you said something interesting. And what you're saying is, well, wait a minute. You know, uh, when do the ticks die? You know, as you're picking up the dog and the dog is jumping on your bed or in the dog's own bed, I mean, you know, are the ticks dying as we speak or are they jumping off? And you said something interesting because people believe that that medicine that you referred to, uh, like, kills the tick instantaneously in, in, when it jumps on the dog. But what well, I heard you a, say is not so much. There's a... Some medicine where if the dog, um, you know, gets bit, it'll eventually kill the tick within a day. But there's so many ticks that don't get a chance to bite, don't get a chance to stay on. They get to scratched off or even before they bite the dog. And then they're waiting around for a better host, one that doesn't have the medicine. Or, or they get partly fed. They have a little bit of blood in them. They got flicked off before they died. And then... Uh, uh, you always find lots of people with pets, but the thing is, I ask them, "Well, are you willing to place your your, your dog or cat somewhere, and you know, find another home or something?" And you don't see want people wanting to give up on their pet because they love their pet, but they yeah. they have to have some risk there. That uh, that dog is sweeping up um, the ticks. They they smell where the mice are. They smell where the other animals are. They smell where the birds are. They're there. And then they bring those ticks back. Right. And, and you know, so for you and the work that you've done, uh, I wanted to talk with you about, you know, the discoveries in science now. You know, what have you seen change significantly, would you say, in the past three to five years? What, what are the things that you're looking at now from a science point of view where you're saying, wow, okay, this is a really cool thing? Well, I've always found that um, that there's co-infections, which are other infections in a tick. And so there was a discussion that Babesia is a parasite, 
which requires its own parasite treatment, was only on the coast. But yet I was seeing it all over in the Northeast. So um, they just came up with a paper that said, if you have Lyme, you have a 40% chance that you have Babesia at the same time, nearly nearly 50%. That's a lot of risk that uh, um, of, of having two things at once. And in, uh, in California, there's another Babesia called Duncani, Babesia Duncani, that's moving around in these ticks. But these... I'm just surprised at the spread. I'm also surprised at how many things are going wrong in a inside the body when you get bit. There's all kinds of places where the the infection hides. It goes in the brain sometimes. Uh, there's even worry that maybe there's such a thing as going inside the tissues, maybe inside a uh, biofilm. There's uh, there's a lot of theories. There's strains that are quite difficult to treat and so um, when you look at at the complexity of, of the bug that's in a tick you can see how they've been surviving all these years in mice and how they're uh, giving trouble to anybody that gets bit yeah and you know we're looking at the world that is ever changing even as we speak I was reading something this morning uh, you know, uh, uh, how now funding is coming to the forefront uh, beyond research, coming to the forefront to to really look at how we can reduce the degree uh, by which, you know, there are ticks and so forth and so on. So people are really now beginning to have different conversations about this. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, uh, just for those of you that are just tuning in, I'm so thrilled to have Dr. Daniel Cameron joining us here today. You know, when we come back, we're going to talk about uh, the ways that you can be more educated or informed, let's say. And, you know, what are some of the conferences that are being held as we speak that will bring people together uh, to, to, to really create a unified front around saving lives? And again, if you want to find out more about Dr. Daniel Cameron, you can go to danielcameronmd.com. Right there, you'll see lots about his Facebook post, Facebook page, and so forth. When we come back, we'll be talking about what are some of the treatment options and what should you know? What has Dr. Daniel Cameron, what has Dr. Cameron discovered along the way to being world-renowned in what he does. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. If you're one of the millions of Americans suffering from anxiety, you probably know how powerless and out of control this emotion can make you feel. This is why it is so important to remember that anxiety is created by your mind, which means that you can learn to use your mind to uncreate it. Hello, my name is Dr. Friedman Schaub. My award-winning book, The Fear and Anxiety Solution, provides you with a step-by-step -step breakthrough process to understand and resolve the root causes of your anxiety and build a solid foundation of confidence and inner peace. If you're ready to take your power back, visit thefearandanxietysolution.com. 
Order your copy of Dr. Friedemann Schaub's The Fear and Anxiety Solution today. Visit thefearandanxietysolution.com for more information. Transformation Talk Radio is dedicated to the education and awareness of Lyme disease. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Lyme Talk Radio. I'm Dr. Pat, joined here by Dr. Nusheen Darvish. Dr. Pat Basili and Dr. Nusheen Darvish will be bringing the most innovative, groundbreaking information, research, treatment innovations, and stories from those it affects every day. I'm so excited to be talking about this. We have so much to share. Dr. Darvish and I are planning to do is connect the dots. People suffering with all sorts of chronic diseases, it's time. It is time for them to transform. Tune into Lyme Talk Radio and help keep our mission strong. For the loyal listeners out there that have been listening to this incredible show on Lyme disease, we are not going to let you down. We're going to come through stronger and enrich the platform for Lyme disease awareness through Lyme Talk Radio. The message will continue. The conversations will become stronger and the healing epic. Tune in to Sheer Alchemy with Leslie Fontaine on TransformationTalkRadio.com and get ready to stir up your passions, remove your blocks, and shift into an entirely new existence. Speaker, teacher, channel, clairvoyant, Leslie Fontaine is a transformation catalyst who channels a powerful energy from source to catapult listeners into living the life they were born to live. Whether it's shifting from scarcity to abundance, from emotional pain into joy, or from illness into health, Leslie will help you step into the true essence and power of all that you are with the help of the Ascended Masters and Archangels. You will not be the same. Visit TransformationTalkRadio.com for show dates and times and LeslieFontaine.com to say yes to explosive abundance. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. It is so great to have all of you tuning us in and turning us on. You know, this is Lime Talk Radio. You can find out more about us if you go to LimeTalkRadio.com. Also, Lime Global has information about uh, what we're doing to get the word out. And as I said before, uh, Dr. Daniel Cameron joining me here today has a fabulous website and there are many, many articles here. I want to make sure you know how to find them. You can go to danielcameronmd.com. You could go right there. And if you look um, on his page, you will definitely see information about his Facebook, uh, YouTube, Twitter, and so forth and so on. But one of the things please look at is take a look at his blog, look at the articles he's done, and for sure, some of the research and insights that he provides. And so it's just absolutely amazing. Um, the work that you doc- do, Dr. Cameron. Thank you so much for all that you do. You're welcome. Thank you. Um, struck by a couple of things. You and I were saying during the break, there are so many things that we could be talking about. But I wanted to, um, I wanted to talk about a couple of things that have come through here, questions on instant messaging. And I was sharing with you that um, sometimes uh, people feel like it's better not knowing. 
it's easier not knowing, even though I don't feel well, nobody, the doctors can't find anything wrong with me. I've got some symptoms. Um, I did have a Lyme test, uh, and clearly it was your traditional Lyme test that many of us have had, which basically says you don't have Lyme disease. And you have an article that I, I would love for you to talk about, which talks about what happens when this is the scenario. The article is called Relying on a Negative Lyme Test Can Prove Deadly. But we're finding more and more negative Lyme tests. Can you talk about this a little bit and talk about what happens when you get a test that may not be the test that you need? The testing doesn't typically measure the actual infection. It measures antibodies to the infection. Like in ELISA, which is called a Lyme titer, or Western blot, it's such an indirect test that it's not near as uh, reliable as one would like. And so with the Western blot, you're supposed to have a bunch of bands reflecting all kinds of proteins, and you just don't have enough. So ultimately, the doctor has to make a clinical judgment. So some doctors say, nope, I won't treat unless I get a positive test. But um, like we find that there are people that never get a positive test and, and they're sick and you can't find a better answer. And so you have to say, well, I think I'm going to just have to use what I learned in medical school and just go ahead and treat and follow them closely. We do that all the time. You know, there's an article that you talked about here, which also really points to how much more we need to learn. Um, and, you know, it talks about how we can have symptoms. And let's talk about the symptoms if we could. You know, what do I mean by symptoms? Well, how about flu-like symptoms that we think are allergies? Or perhaps, you know, something might be going on in our bodies like joint pain. And how about fibromyalgia, for example? Um, and I would love for you to talk about what you've learned, you know, and what you've discovered along the way um, about the many faces of this. But clearly somebody that has flu-like symptoms for weeks and weeks and weeks and doesn't get better, there's got to be another place to go for that. Well, it's very easy to throw out an anchor. They call that an anchor in medicine, mm -hmm. which is to say, oh, well, that's fibromyalgia. You know, every yeah. fiber, every muscle sore, or, or the doctor throws out a chronic fatigue anchor, a multiple sclerosis, a migraine anchor. And so then everything you have wrong is you hope that that's the right diagnosis, that that's going to get you better. But we're finding that, you know, the doctor will be correct to see something, but the bigger, there's a much bigger story. There's a broader problem of a tick board that's in the background. And so we always encourage doctors to pick up anchor. And if you're not getting better with chronic fatigue or fibromyalgia or one of these other diagnoses, is look, look at the bigger picture. Maybe there's a tick board that's actually causing the problem. Because they do look alike, these diagnoses. If you're not getting better, look a second time in Lyme. Even if you've had three weeks of treatment, even if your test is negative, if you're still sick, is it still uh, reasonable to revisit Lyme? Don't just assume you've been sick for a year or two that, um, that you can't do anything because there's so many opportunities to, to get better. You know, if the doctor's, um, you know, on a diagnosis, it's fine, but you just have to get better at some point. 
find a solution. You can't uh, stay chronically ill. You can't blame it on menopause. You can't blame it on being a teenager. Uh, you can't blame it on um, um, you know, stress. If, there's, if you're still sick with a broad range of issues, uh, look a second time at the most common problem in America now that people are catching uh, these ticks. Well, and, and you know, we're having to, to, to kind of peel the layers back on things too, aren't we? Um, you know, right now, the good news is social media and the Internet. I guess that's the good news and the bad news in some cases. But, you know, from a good news point of view, you know, you have people that are writing about. Uh, I read an article this morning about a woman that had a nodule on her thyroid. I was reading it and she's she's begging somebody to answer her question. And she talks about this, and she talks about the fact that she's had biopsies and this and that. And she's saying to folks, you know, listen, um, who else has had this? And here's what I'm struck by. I'm struck by all the people that are writing back and are saying, hey, yeah, this happened to my daughter, or this is what happened. Is the internet helping us? And what do you suggest for people that may not be showing up like with the rash, but have other things going on. What is the best place or how would you recommend they seek out, seek out uh, some help? Well, I think that um, if one looks at the Internet, it, it gets people in touch with the science, gets people in touch with how they interpret science. So mm -hmm. when they... Infectious Disease Society of America wrote their guidelines that said chronic Lyme didn't exist. Yeah. It wasn't more than the aches and pains of daily living. Is As a doctor in practice in the Northeast, I said the literature doesn't even come to that conclusion. That has nothing to do with the literature where they come up with that. So I was uh, involved with the International Lyme and Associated Diseases Society, ILADS, and we came to a completely different conclusion, wrote up treatment guidelines in 2004, and again in 2014, saying the literature supports that chronic Lyme exists, that there's plenty of benefits from treatment, that the risks are there, but the benefits far away the risk. And so, you know, there's there's a need for distribution of evidence, distribution of, um, of science. And so um, what the Internet has been able to do is is have everyone in their living room be able to um, have a more of an open dialogue and be able to get to know what the IDSA is saying, what ILADS is saying. Yeah. What they they're right at the cutting edge of articles that are coming out. Yeah. So there can be a dialogue, you know, and work through um, this answer. But but on this particular case with the thyroid nodule, it may be that thyroid nodule is an issue. They'll find something wrong, but sometimes it's problem is much bigger than the thyroid. So if during that thyroid evaluation, there's a lot, a lot of other issues. The doctor has to kind of back up a look, little, look a second time at uh, whether there's other issues that are going on that are bothering her than just, than just the thyroid. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting because there are now more articles about this in particular uh, for people. And I guess because thyroid is really difficult to detect. I mean, you know, people, uh, people have known for years that, you know, even if you have thyroid cancer, it's this or that or the other thing. But what folks are now really writing it about, and thank you for mentioning eyelids, because, you know, for people listening to the show, 
you can find a lot of information. You know, can I ask you a question? Are you finding that it's difficult for people to want to find out if they've got a disease or not? I mean, you know, what is that expression about the, de- you know, the devil, you know, versus the one you don't, right? Yeah, I think it's um, very easy to, um, you know, find that you have a good doctor who's been to a great medical school and has taken yeah. you through uh, cholesterol, diabetes, or anything. They've helped your family to get through things. What you're running into, though, is that when it comes to Lyme disease, it becomes such a controversial area that doctor... Um, has been reluctant to do as as thorough a job. You know, they, even if they don't want to treat Lyme, they don't tend to refer to another doctor. They don't even mention Lyme half the time, and so you, it gets confusing when you go to a doctor who, who's so good and so talented. Um, this is an area that's fairly uh, controversial, and so you have to find out after months that, by the way, the doctor um, jumped on one diagnosis, didn't look a second time, and. You have to find out from your hairdresser or find out from um, somebody at the um, checkout counter that, by the way, that Lyme disease was uh, overlooked, and that, that's been pretty frustrating. The Internet does get people uh, looking a second time who've been dismissed even by good doctors. Yeah. Well, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk with Dr. Cameron about something that he is doing, and I love that he's doing it. It's really taking hope and putting it into action, saving lives. What we have learned in this field, and why is it now today there are options that we had not even thought about Let's take a short break. When we come back, Dr. Cameron will talk with us about what some of those options are and how you can change from hope to happy. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Do I sound a little? Do I sound a little? Do I sound a little? Access Consciousness is coming back to Seattle this April for three amazing events. Mark your calendars. April 20th through the 22nd is the Access Consciousness Body Classes created by Gary Douglas and Dr. Dane here. Facilitated by Dr. Glenna Rice. Explore verbal processes and hands-on bodywork that will unlock the tension, resistance, and dis-ease of the body by shifting energy dynamically. April 23rd through the 25th is the Advanced Access Body Class with Gary Douglas. What if you could undo a whole lot of limitations that you have locked into your body and create an alteration of the way your body functions? Then, on April 26th at 7 p.m., join Gary Douglas for the Abuse Hold class. This is the first time ever that this dynamic process is being presented in a class format. Find out more about these Access Consciousness April events in Seattle by visiting transformation.events. That's transformation.events. Ari Hoffman is the hottest psychic with the warmest heart and the host of the hit show Angels and Answers. A renowned psychic, medium, spiritual life coach, and an entertaining motivational speaker, Ari has helped over 15,000 people with his amazing intuitive gifts, his passion, and his humor. Call 877-ANGEL-02 to schedule a personal reading or to have your own psychic Artie party. That's 877-ANGEL-02. And visit ArtieHoffman.com and Angels and Answers on Facebook. 
There are so many resources out there for meditation. But did you know that Atana's Heart Earth Healing Meditation is available for you for free? Yes, that's right. You can receive this free healing meditation today from Atana Badili. All you need to do is visit his website, atanamethod.com. That's A-T-A-A-N-A method.com and sign up. You will receive your free meditation instantly. That's atanamethod.com. Naturopathic doctor, founder of the Martha's Vineyard Holistic Retreat, and author of the New York Times bestseller, 21 Pounds in 21 Days, Dr. Ronnie DeLuce has helped tens of thousands of people, including celebrities and athletes, with her message of lifestyle change. Now, Dr. Ronnie DeLuce wants to help you. You, too, can be saved. Email Dr. Ronnie DeLuce at info at ronniedeleuceonradio.com and visit mvholisticretreat.com. Dr. Ronnie DeLuce, your partner in wellness. Hey everybody, this is Dr. Pat. Many of you have heard me talk about the Lyme disease epidemic going on right now in the world. I wanna tell you about my friends at Results RNA. They have now created an entire Lyme support system for immune system support, detoxification, rejuvenation, and neurological healing. Please visit ResultsRNA.com to learn more. And for first-time orders, you'll receive a special 10% discount. All you have to do is type in Dr. Pat at checkout. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. It's so great to be uh, talking with all of you today. And yeah, thank you all for your questions. Thank you for, you know, bringing some of the things to the forefront. Uh, Dr. Cameron is joining me here today. Many, many more questions. I'm trying to get a lot of these up on the uh, uh, up on the show for you, um, because I know there are so many things to talk about. You know, Dr. Cameron, I, I think we saved this segment, albeit the, the end of the show, uh, to talk about what options people have. And I, I, I went to your website and I love what you said here. This is not a one size fits all. And that's both the good news and the not so good news because we're so used to treating a one size fits all for something. But tell us where we are. What are some of the options? What have you discovered along the way? One of the things that I, um, that I start with is that trying to get somebody's diet under control mm-hmm. you know there's so many different diets out there I, I like to just make sure that whatever diet is one stays away from alcohol and processed sugars and it helps some of the volatile of the illness so that sometimes buys um, some time most important thing is we spend time on counseling because when you've been sick for weeks or months very easy to get discouraged, very easy to despair, feeling that all is lost. Plus, Lyme makes you irritable often, uh, gives you all kinds of anxiety and can't sleep, you have pain, and there's a variety of things that are hard to manage. So how to get that that hope, that direction, that focus that one needs is um, take some uh, work. You know, I don't like to spend time on discussing supplements. I'd rather yep. just focus in on where are you now? Where are you in as a kid in middle school, not in school or high school, trying to get ready for college? Where are you as a mom, a you know dad, a caregiver? Because essentially, is that you know it's pretty draining to have been sick for a while, and so I have to spend time on 
how to change direction, how to come up with a different treatment strategy. They may have found the doxycycline didn't work, but there's, um, you know, maybe longer with doxycycline or move on to one of the other antibiotics makes a huge difference. Maybe treating for Babesia um, can change direction, but it's a, there's so much ups and downs at the beginning that um, how do you get uh, someone to reverse courses? Um, you need a lot more than just a pill. Yeah. I mean, it is really part of building, you know, the immune system. It's part of really, you know, one of the things I discovered, and I don't know if this is what you were alluding to, but I'd love to chat with you about it. Um I know that, you know, one of the first things that I got introduced to was cutting out, I was told cut out everything white. And, you know, once I heard that for, I just thought, you got to be kidding me. I'm going to just pet, I'm not going to be able to exist. But basically we're looking at cutting out certain foods that carry very little nutrition. And I think bread is one, one part of that. But you're also talking about adding foods that will help build the the system. What role does does exercise and oxygen play? Well, I like activity. So activity. If I can hold on to the job, <laughs> you know, sometimes they don't have much uh, left in their life if they can just barely hold on to their job or barely hold on to school. It has something they can count on that gives them self-esteem, gets them involved, keeps them awake. Um, or if they can't, you know, how to get the uh, some activity going because it's so easy to get discouraged and get nothing done. But if I can just start building something positive, some 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 kind of direction, that uh, that helps. And because there's so much um, volatility in the immune system, and you get flare-ups. Uh, then when you take an antibiotic, you can get a flare-up of symptoms if you eat uh, empty calories. You know the immune system tends yeah. to not be consistent, not steady enough, and so uh, how, how do you get somebody better? Now, I could send them to a psychiatrist, uh, but sometimes uh, doing some counseling myself um, as part of the medical management works better because you know I often use behavioral, behavioral approaches to get somebody yeah. uh, more involved in their recovery than just uh, what a pill can offer, so... These clinical trials that are out there, like the Norwegian trial, yeah, gave um, some two weeks of IV plus pills, but no counseling, no direction, no focus. The people were sick for, for two were, were sick for two point seven years, and I think that you get a better outcome if you have the whole person that you're working with. And uh, mm-hmm. and when you mentioned earlier about joy or wellness, yeah, is try to aim toward that goal, not just take some pills. If you have that to direction and vision, stay with the doctor and the doctor who has an interest in it, you can go a long ways. Yeah. I think that what we hear from people, and certainly this is what we know about, is uh, how painful it is to feel so bad and feel so invisible at the same time. Because I I think that's what you're saying, because that is part of what happens, right? You know, people feel invisible, not heard. They often look better on the surface and as soon as you um, talk to them immediately underneath that thin veneer there's so many problems that are limiting their role in life that's you know even pain itself is hard to manage so the concentration isn't going well so even the 
medicine for concentration aren't working well, but how do you uh, go past that look on the surface of being okay to well, what's underneath? The, their quality of life is pretty poor. In fact, they, that Norwegian study I was talking to about this week, their quality of life on standard like scores is worse than diabetic and worse than cancer patients. And so that that severe of a quality of life on a physical scales means that you're you're go, you're going through something that's measurable, going through pro- problems that uh, are apparent in study after study. But how do you get from that state to wellness is uh, is is the challenge that we face every day. You know, it all sounds good on the radio, but on Monday morning when you're sick again, how to get somebody back to um, wellness again is the challenge, but it's also rewarding when it happens. Mm. Wow. I want to thank you for all that you're doing. And I know we've talked about quite a bit, but there is so much more that we haven't. So I wanted to save these last couple of minutes and just ask you, you know, what are some of the things that are at the top of your radar that perhaps we did not discuss? And thank you for being here today. Well, I think that, um, you know, advocacy is helpful because uh, when people are out there, um, often they're sick without uh, anyone to, um, you know, connecting. So sometimes when you listen and hear somebody, all of a sudden they realize, oh, gosh, mm. said, I didn't realize that was mine. I just thought I was feeling crappy, lousy, drained, and everything else. And so I think that the Internet that's here, the inter- this, this Dr. Pat, the radio, everything is... Um, trying to connect with some of the people who are out there sick for a long time. Yeah. So I think it's a dialogue that um, is available. And I, I've found that people who um, know Lyme, they, they do something called triangulate. So they'll hear conflicting information. They'll hear people who say it doesn't exist. They'll hear doctors that say no way. They'll hear doctors that say there's a problem. And so they're pretty good at evaluating information anyway and coming to a better conclusion as long as they get started this yeah type of gets them started yeah wow thank you so much for today dr daniel cameron everybody right here on lime talk radio please check out he has so much information and thank you so much for what you do daniel cameron md.com check him out on facebook twitter thank you so much dr cameron for everything thank you for having me All right, everybody, I want to thank all of you for tuning us in and turning us on. Uh, You know what? We've got more Lime Talk Radio coming right back at you next week. We'll see you then. Thanks for listening to Lime Talk Radio with Dr. Pat Basile, epic healing for an epic life. This inspiring show highlights leading-edge solutions, groundbreaking research, headline topics, and tools for holistic healing and wellness. This hit show is dedicated to raising awareness, promoting advocacy and prevention, and supporting initiatives for optimal health. Dr. Pat is passionate and focused on life-saving results reaching far beyond Lyme disease, providing a forum for powerful stories, heart-opening experiences, and hope-activated solutions. Dr. Pat will shine a light on the many shades of Lyme disease fueled by a body-mind-spirit remedy. For more information, visit LimeTalkRadio.com and tune in next time.